Hello and welcome to this special Anfield Rap show all about sexism in football. This is the second instalment of a two-part special about the experiences of women in football, both as fans and as journalists. And if you haven't listened already, you can catch up to our first show, which we recorded last year with some of the people that are in this room and also some other friends, uh, where we talked about the experience of female fandom and how women experience watching the Reds differently to their male counterparts, which was a lot of fun. And I've got, well, one of the same huns here on audio, but one just observing in the form of Harriet Pryor. Um <laughs> But today's going to be a bit different because we're going to be focusing on the experiences of women um, and of sexism in the sports um, in a professional context and what it's like working as a journalist, a broadcaster, a commentator, essentially a woman trying to have a voice in an industry that is still male dominated and often very unkind. <laughs> so joining me, I've got Emma Sanders, who is a BBC sport broadcast journalist. I've got Natasha Henry, a freelance sports journalist, Lizzie Doyle, who is a radio producer. Um, and there's me as well. There's me. Um, I'm Amelia Bonner and I work for Liverpool Echo and also host on the Anfield Rap. And one time I tried to do a bit of sport journalism in Barcelona and got told to die. So we'll talk about that a bit. Um, but I mean, other than that, I try not to dip my toe in anything other than the Anfield Rap. Um, but we'll get into that. And we're also going to hear some amazing inserts that I was really privileged to record and very happy to be listening back to with Jackie Oatley and also with Kelly Cates. So that's exciting. Um, but first, let's talk about football's problem with sexism. And we could talk about that in any number of directions. We can talk about it within the sport itself. We can talk about it in football grounds as fans, on the pitch, off the pitch. But our focus today is going to be sexism and the way that it manifests for women trying to have a voice and commentate on the game. Um, so I want to start how most of us started out, which is trying to get into the industry. And I want to ask what we feel the barriers are to this and how being a woman trying to get into sports journalism can sometimes feel like a bit of a closed shop. Emma? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I still experience this every day now that I am in the job, but I think there's just a general assumption that because you're a female, then you work in women's sport. Mm. And I'm, you know, very passionate about women's football in particular. I do a lot of work on, on that on the website and in all areas, you know, of my kind of journalism career. And I'm very, very proud of that. But then there's almost still to this day an assumption that that is the only thing that I do. And I'm like, actually, I come from a men's football background mm. and, you know, not that that is, should be regarded as any better or any higher, but it, it almost is. Mm. And I think that was probably the hardest barrier for me getting into the industry was just, you know, I was trying to get in via, you know, working on the Premier League and working on majority, you know, majorly men's football, because that was what my expertise were in and that was what I was comfortable doing. But it was actually, you know, trying to explain to people that that was what I did and it wasn't that I did women's football. It was almost like, a, oh, okay. It's so, a yeah, surprise yeah. reaction of I didn't expect this to be because they see That's a woman exactly in sport it. and think you're going to be talking about women's sport. That, that was exactly it. And it was, yeah, it was almost like a how, how would, would you know about men's football? How, you know, you've never played it. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but I've never watched the women's game. Um, I'm not a speed, I'm not a speed skater, but I do love watching yeah, it. And I reckon yeah. I could say yeah. that was quite a hundred metres. And the Winter Olympics expert. Spends all day on it. That, that <laughs> argument blows my mind because it's like, so you can never write about Usain Bolt because no one is ever as good as Usain Bolt. No, and only yeah. women can't write about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. The, the man who, no disrespect, who, who couldn't run a hundred metres if you gave him a day, He's happy. Everyone's happy for him to sit and talk about it. But me or you mm -hmm. or any of us, we can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what the difference is. Natasha, the other point on this that I think is really interesting in terms of trying to get into the industry is not only kind of feeling like you're qualified to have a voice, but also how accessible you see that industry being in terms of whether or not you see yourself represented. So do we see, and obviously we see more women now on our TV screens and 
we then also see the kind of the backlash that they sometimes get, which we'll get onto later, which can kind of be encouraging and then also a real disincentive for women wanting to get involved because you see a woman sticking her head above the parapet and then you see her getting cut down. But I think it's down to who do we see and do they look like us in sport journalism? And do, what message does that send to young women of this is an attainable career path for you? I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I, when I started like 12 years ago, um, even before I started trying to become a journalist, I knew two female sports journalists who worked in men's sport in football. And that was Janine Self and, and Vicky Orvis because my granddad used to buy the paper. And they were the only two women that I knew working in this world that I really wanted to get into. I didn't see myself as a, as a black girl, as a, as a working class girl, as a girl who's never played competitive sport. I did not see myself at all. But I don't know, maybe a bit of misguided confidence and arrogance. I was like, I don't care. I, I want to do that. Um, but I think it is very, now I, I love the fact that young girls can can watch sport and they can see someone that looks like them, whether that's your sexuality or your, your race, or if you have a disability, you know, young girls, young guys, everyone can look on the TV and say, I can do that. 15 years ago, we couldn't. So as much as we're going to talk about the bad sides of the industry, I think that's really a positive to say we have moved on, even if it's not as far as I would like us to be. Yeah, and I totally want to talk about how much things have changed, even even in the amount of time I've been doing the Anfield Rap, the number of women I see 100%. on other media platforms yeah. where you go, wow, there are women doing this. And I think it's also one of those, it's the, the level of exposure. So the first time someone does something, and I know Jackie Oatley talks about this a lot in the insert that we're going to listen to later, but being the first to do something, there's the inevitable backlash and then people just have to learn to swallow it. People have to get used to it. If you go, well, I am going to see this woman on my TV screen time and time and time again, you're just going to have to get used to it. And I think it's also a thing of, a lot of people can say, I think people make excuses around like, I don't like her presenting style. I don't like mm -hmm. her voice. I don't like this. I don't like that. And what I hear when people say that is, I just don't like listening to a woman's opinions. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and there are women who contribute to the Anfield rap who get this a lot, where it's, I don't like her voice. Her voice annoys me. Do you love the act of every single fella on the Anfield rap with all the different places that they come from? And I think that it can be sometimes used as a, a kind of smokescreen to hide the fact that you are just sexist and you yeah. don't want to listen I'd, to a woman's I'd, I'd rather you just told me I don't I don't want to listen to a girl talking about football yeah. I'd rather you were straight up yeah. like that mm -hmm. because at least I know where I stand with you than the oh I don't like her voice or you know she's never played competitive football because I haven't but I tell you what all of us here probably watch more football than most of the people we work with because we're girls we have to work yeah. harder yeah I've sat in rooms and you can see people, oh, let me come up with a question. I know Emma's probably got this a lot of times. Yeah. I'm going to ask her a question, see if she knows. Oh, yeah. can you explain the offside? All that kind of stupidness. Yeah, I can. Because do you know why? Because I made sure I could because I knew there was going to be bleeps like you wanting to challenge me. We're allowed to swear, by the way. So you, you, you <laughs> oh, go. That's very instantly. <laughs> yeah. I like, you know, it's a classy touch. We've got I'm, Prosecco I'm here. So I'm, I'm trying to swear less in 2020. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the resolution you're welcome to. As long as you're being to. a woman and it's just the resolution. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't yeah. like when women use their curse. It's 2022, but, not 2020. <laughs> it's been um, a long running resolution for you. Um, well, Lizzie, in terms of that kind of starting out and getting into the industry, I guess it's not only in terms of how you see yourself represented and whether you feel like it's an accessible career path for you. But I think there's also the nerves around doing that as a woman and I do feel like it's different to the experience of men starting out in the industry because I think when you first write or first talk about football especially when you see the reaction that other women get when they experience it it can be really loaded with kind of anxiety for, for someone trying to do that and it 
must be a real barrier to a lot of people wanting to join the industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and not repeat myself from something I said on the first show, but I mean, for all I know, there's a lot of people who were listening to this that didn't. But um, I remember the first time uh, I was asked to speak about Liverpool on the radio or just talk about Fussy on the radio. And this is just like a local radio station. And and I, all I could think about was, yeah, but what if I get something wrong? I'm going to get absolutely mm-hmm. obliterated. Yeah. And it was just this sheer panic. And it's mm-hmm. and, and the presenter I worked with at the time was like, Lizzie, do the section. You're really good. I just want you to cut. We we, we, we needed time to fill. So I, I was the producer. So I was like, I kind of had to. Enjoyed it. And then um, obviously was approached by Neil uh, from the Anfield Draft saying like, oh, I've, I've heard you doing little bits and bobs um, on the radio. And, you know, I'd really like you to come and do a show for the Anfield Drap. Now, let's take... The Anfield Drap is a hugely successful company. And mm. in terms of, like, the free listeners and all that, there's, let's, there's thousands of people that listen. Now, you ask, right, any of those thousands of people who listen who are men, if Neil Atkinson came up to you and said, I've heard you, I think you're good, I want you to come on the Anfield Drap, their first instinct will be, oh, my God, yeah. I'm buzzing and I can't wait to come you're on. Buzzing, but yeah. now, my first thing was... <gasps> I don't know if I should do that because all I could think was if I go on and they don't like me, they're going to they're gonna come at me on Twitter and all of a sudden and I'm going to get the abuse. That was my first thought. Yeah. I never said that out loud to anybody, but that's how I felt about it. And I remember I remember talking to someone about it and I was like, uh, to, the, to the presenter I worked with, me, and I was like, you know, what should I do? I was like, what, why are you holding back? Mm. Go and do it. Yeah. But that was my first reaction instead of being excited. And listen, I... I've started out and my job is very much behind the microphone. I know obviously I talk about Liverpool, that's like a hobby of mine, but I'm a producer and, and it doesn't, until like the, the job that I'm in now, necessarily I haven't really seen anyone that looks like me, but almost because I'm not in front of a microphone, I haven't really maybe thought about it too much. But I think the second you're, you're putting your voice out there on camera, on microphone, all of a sudden the exp- like you feel a bit more exposed and mm-hmm. your wall goes up and... um. And that's what I'm saying is like, I don't think, I think men and anyone can be nervous. I think that's, that's normal. Saying. I think I'm not yeah. saying there's not lads that have been asked to do the Anfield Because I know there are and people that have kind of said to me like, oh, it's my first show and I'm a bit nervous. And I always find that like genuinely endearing. But their gender like, never comes into it. Yeah. But it's not they're not because nervous because they're, they're a woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're nervous because like it's public speaking or it's new yeah. or whatever. I think Which that like, I'm not saying there's not lads that get nervous before they do things like this or before, you know, a new presenting gig before something that you do. But I think I don't know a single woman on the Anfield rap, genuinely, who hasn't gone, okay, yeah, I will do it, has had has had to think about it yeah. or has gone, can I do ones that aren't about football first? Like, yeah. I think a lot of us had can that kind of- filmed? Can yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to go on social media. Yeah, so you, you almost put in the extra legwork as well. Like, I certainly do this before anything I work mm. on. I, I still do this to this day, but I did it even more so when I was first yeah. breaking in was just, it was almost like a- if I, if I, yeah, it was an obsession. It was like I'd do an extra hours prep or yeah. an extra two hours prep just to try and calm myself down and go, well, at least if I get the facts right, mm. even if I don't sound great, even, even if I'm not funny or enthusiastic, as long as I just get the facts get right and just yeah. make no mistakes, then that's that's a tick for a lot of men. But it's not. Actually. Yeah, it's it's not that like that's that's not enough because that's, you know, what they just kind of expect from you on a basic level Mm. and they're right too because from a media point of view anyone who speaks about something you know they should get their facts right that's Mm. that's a basic yeah that's that's fine but it's the added pressure that you're that you talk about lizzie where it's you can't afford to make mistakes which i think is so i think the the added pressure for me is um if i make a mistake it affects on all it reflects on all of you yeah there's there's this weird thing of oh one girl 
who's a presenter and we see it with commentators a lot of the time yeah. and we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I can't remember every single goal that was ever scored. I can do all my research, but you might be doing something live and someone throws a question to you, as you know, and you answer and you're like, like I corrected myself with the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I make a mistake on Twitter, suddenly this is why women should come yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is why women should do well. I'm just me. I'm not carrying everyone's ovaries. No. Just mine. <laughs> Knock me for who I am and mm. if I'm unprofessional, but that shouldn't Absolutely. reflect on you guys. Absolutely. That you feel like you represent every single woman in the yeah. industry is a really difficult thing. And I always think like, I mean, I'm very open about the fact that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a football fan as a little kid. I've not like grown up with it in the same way that my brother did. Like I'm what like a lot of people would kind of disparagingly call a more like new, a, a, a kind of a newer football fan in terms of it's been like teenage beyond it's been something that has been part of my life and then I worry that because of that I don't want to set back other women who know a lot more than me mm. and who know their shit because I don't know what they know I don't have the expertise that any of you in this room have that Philippa Smallwood has that Siobhan Began has I don't have that level of expertise and I almost feel like I don't want to fuck it up for everybody else by yeah. them going oh it's crap when they get a but woman doing XYZ that's not expertise that's just your experience yeah. like there's mm. no right or wrong as to how to be a football set. fan yeah. like there's no you, yeah there's no wrong way to be a football fan and how a, you experience you're a fan watching or the match. you're not if you want yeah. to talk about being a football fan then why shouldn't yeah you have the same rights as anyone else yeah. to talk about football to your opinion and at the end of the day like this is the thing it's 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 this idea that people are just waiting to catch out all the time or mm. you know what maybe after the time they're not but what people don't understand it's the feeling that yeah. they are and yeah. i don't think that's what people might i don't think that's what people understand because people who are listening to this and there's so many supportive like subscribers the Anfield Draft who've been so good in terms of like the women um on the Anfield Draft over the last few years who've, who've really been amazing but obviously like if you're a man you can't really empathize as much you just mm -hmm. don't really understand that you just constantly feel on edge about that but you can so. but you can sympathize I think exactly. yeah I think yeah. it's it's about it's about being an ally I'm not expecting you to to understand how I'm feeling but like I was chatting to Harriet before we started recording saying as a girl you talking about the nerves a project I was offered last year and I started working on it and then I withdrew myself. I didn't affect the project, but I withdrew myself because I knew at that moment in time in my life, I didn't want to deal with the backlash that I was going to yeah. get because yeah. I knew because of the subject matter, I knew there would be backlash mm. and I just, I've not long moved house. I was like, no, I don't need that stress in my life. That's ridiculous that I'm making career choices based on, I mean, it was protecting myself, mm. but I should make sure career nasty. choices yeah. based on the fact that someone's going to abuse the fact that I'm a girl or a black person mm -hmm. just because they disagree with my exactly. my point of view. You shouldn't have to actively turn down work in order yeah. to protect yourself. No. Like that's and I, I think damning. I, I don't know. The listeners, listeners probably don't know this. Like they don't understand the vitriol. Someone like Emma gets tons more than mm. I would ever get because she's on the BBC, you know. And I was saying before, like, I'm kind of happy that I'm not mm. that mainstream mm. because I see some of the comments Jackie Oatley, Alex Scott, Laura Woods get and it breaks my heart. It's the hardest part of my job. Yeah. And I, I've, I've said <laughs> this daily and I've be. said it publicly, like I'm not afraid to say that. Like it is by far the hardest part of my job. And actually, you know, you speak about sort of male allies sympathising and I'm very, very lucky that mm. I, I am the only like kind of constant female core member of the online football team yeah. at where I work you know there's occasionally there's there's a couple of women who might come on for as like, as a freelancer for a few months but I'm the only one who's actually employed on a sort of a regular basis and I work with some fantastic colleagues that are really supportive and they understand it's more difficult 
but actually <laughs> it's interesting now that sometimes they might say um oh well maybe let's not do this because i know that that'll be really difficult for you and that's mm. them obviously being really supportive but that's the fact, so good which, which is brilliant but the fact that even they notice it yeah. almost makes me feel even more sad about it because i'm like you know it's not just me thinking you know of it from my kind of eyes it's it's them seeing it from yeah. the outside and seeing the effect of, of like of it and i i have definitely sort of grown as a person and perhaps maybe in terms of my work in like a bit of a negative way where i don't have as much fun with certain things that i might mm -hmm. write because i almost have to strip back my personality to protect myself and that that's quite sad that is that is really sad because really the reason all of us got to where we are and most people particularly women within the industry is our personality mm. that's what's actually pushed us forward yeah. so the fact that you feel you have to suppress that is like it's not good but the, i think the we can talk about the kind of like the reactions you get the like the nerves the being held to a higher standard all of this i think well i know for myself anyway i don't want to speak for the rest of you but it's the online aspect of it the social media aspect of it mm. that is the worst like i can deal with the kind of being like that um not latent that's not the right word but the kind of like everyday sexism things that you kind of deal with in any working environment which you'd hope not to and like which is getting better and i'd like to say as we said on the last one that the anfield rap genuinely compared to anywhere else i've ever worked and anything i've done they are trailblazing in terms of the way that they respect women the way that they give women a voice and the way that they treat their female contributors mm -hmm. it is so refreshing but i'm speaking kind of more culturally about the industry and not kind of directly about experiences within this that I, th I think the anfield rap is an outlier in that regard in that it really yeah. tries to give women a voice and to do it in a way that is on their own terms. I'm talking more generally about the industry kind of beyond that. And I think the the online part of it is the bit that like, as you say, it makes me question things before I post them. It makes me like after, and I know I talked about it on the last year, so I don't want to repeat it too much, but after the Barcelona job that I did that was horrific, I asked for my byline to be taken off stories that I wrote about Liverpool FC. Um, mm. We did a piece the other day about, um, it was about a fan getting kicked out um, because of some racist abuse that was um, said, I think it was during the Crystal Chelsea. Palace game. Oh yeah, it was Chelsea game. Yeah. Um, and I asked my byline not to be on that because it's like a red rag to a bull with certain commenters on our website who see my name on a story and go, oh, here she is again, that fucking cop out, this, this and that. And like, then start talking about how I look and then yeah. about my qualifications to be a journalist. And then all of these things that are incredibly personal. And it's the, it's really hard to explain the online experience to someone who hasn't been through it and how threatened it makes you feel and how afraid it makes you feel and how relentless it can be to see hundreds if not thousands of men genuinely wishing you ill it's it's horrific like this the, mm. it's really hard to explain if you haven't been through it and the sad thing is that i know every single one of you has been through it so you all understand it but it's incomparable in terms of kind of career experiences and things that you have to deal with as a person in your workplace and i mean lizzie i i don't know i, I don't know how to kind of to a woman coming into the industry to kind of come back to what we were saying here, kind of welcoming people into it and wanting to make it like an, an open and kind of friendly environment for women wanting to get involved. How do you, how do you explain that to them? How do you offer this to them as a career path that they may want to take that this is something you're just gonna have to deal with? It's hard, but it almost feels like that's what I was told. Well, actually, I wasn't even told that because I was always like the only one doing what I was doing or that I could visibly see doing what I was doing in the workplace I was in, should say. Um, obviously, I was not the only female producer in the UK. That'd be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the one and only. Is it <laughs> you, you know, you're really lucky to get me on this show. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, and, and I think I just saw it. So I had to learn that myself. And like, 
you know, I, I love my family to bits, but, you know, it's not even something that, like, my dad or brother would, you know, they, yeah. they just, they didn't understand it. Yeah. And when I'd, I'd say, like, oh, I, I feel like this and I'm the only person doing this and I feel like I've got to explain myself two or three times, you know, I've got to put myself forward more than others to say, like, let me do this football show and said to that person and, um, and, and they just didn't get it. They almost looked at me a bit like, you know, am I making it up? Oh, it's just in, not, not just in your head. They would never, they never, like, denied me of anything, but th- mm. they just didn't, really get it and I do think it is a case of if you don't see anybody like you and I think that also goes for like you know higher up and in management because mm-hmm. obviously those mm-hmm. people in management are the people who are doing the interviews and if you're just doing interviews with like men mm-hmm. then you're you're gonna feel like is I've got it I've got to prove myself 10 times more whereas like I almost and again this is probably this is wrong because when I see a woman in sports I almost feel like so relaxed and yeah. like, like you know I'd almost feel like oh she'll take sympathy on me yeah. And because she's been through way. it, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, if I there's a woman at that sympathy. level, you're like, you I don't want to be simple. Yeah. I don't want sympathy. I want to be judged on yeah. my ability. Yeah. I want to be judged on, you know, my experience. I want to mm. be judged on who I am. Mm. However, I look to, I look and I see a woman maybe in a higher position than me or, or in this industry and think, well, at least she'll feel sympathy for me. It's and and that's like a solace. Yeah. I think, I think, oh, I know the same thing. You're in an experience with a woman. You kind of feel like she won't judge me because of me. She will yeah. purely judge me on on my work and my abilities compared to like, oh, well, how you dress. I remember the first time going to Chelsea, are you someone's wife or girlfriend? I mean, yeah, I've got four inch heels and a full face of makeup. I want to look pretty, but you know, I've it's got a, a laptop, I'm looking I've, I've got a laptop <laughs> bag in my yeah. hand, you know, I'm yeah. kind of, yeah. why would you presume that I'm someone's wife or girlfriend or, you know, did your dad used to play football? Did your brother play football? Have you dated oh, they're like, football? There must be something yeah. that got you yeah. in here. There must be something that no. was your way in. It isn't just your ability. I just and greasy with my granddad. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really yeah. is as simple it as that is, for me. Yeah. It wasn't like my dad, I mean, the last player he remembers is Clive Best. That's the 1970s. That's, that's how far removed from my world he is, you know. But of course I couldn't have got interested in football myself. It mm. had to be, mm. like you're saying, your dad and your brother. Of course, that's they taught you about it. You couldn't know it yourself. That's yeah. ridiculous. You know, it's, it's interesting when you mentioned your family there because like, on the flip side, my my sister, who like everyone who knows me knows like how close I am with, uh, with my elder sister, and she's like a massive inspiration to me in like, all walks of life. But... She's, you know, very successful in in her job, which is also a male dominated industry. And she's in a managerial position, a very high up one. And she almost broke all the barriers that, yes, they're they're different in terms of the day to day, you know, side of things in sport and media. But the actual process of almost going into work, dealing with sexism, dealing with the same kind of levels of pressure and expectation, she Mm. broke all of them before me. So like from a personal experience, she's been like a real ally for me because you know, we didn't have people in our own careers as such to kind of mm. draw from that inspiration. So I almost looked at different industries and different people that I knew that had to break that kind of same cultural sexism that, that you were talking about earlier. And yeah, I think those kind of positive influences are, as like as advice is what I always say to people. Like, even if you don't know someone in the industry, Lizzie, when you were saying earlier about you not seeing anyone specifically in your role, um, there's always someone in a industry yeah. Yeah. that has had to fight mm battles so look to them because you know the more people that do it and the more that follow in those footsteps the more those examples become more common yeah absolutely well i mean there's your kind of introduction to the industry (laughs) welcome welcome (laughs) to being um, a a woman in sport media but um i guess we've kind of concentrated there on uh, broadly speaking what it's like starting out and the barriers that we face and the fears that we have but 
it's important to say that these experiences aren't just limited to when you're starting out. Um, they they absolutely stick with you and it's nothing to do with how well established a woman is or how well respected she is. Women are still held to a different standard by male colleagues, which I know is something we've all spoken to there. Um, and kind of on that theme, um, we're going to go over to an insert now with Kelly Cates, um, who I spoke to, um, the Sky Sports host and all around babe, who um, <laughs> talked about her experiences of sexism in sport media as someone who is very well established in the industry and very well respected and who still very much experiences a lot of what we've just spoken about. Um, So Kelly, you're a woman with a massive platform in the world of British football and British football journalism. And I wonder what sort of a reaction you feel you get to your voice, whether that's online or in person. Um, In terms of when, when when I talk about things that are, when I, when I talk about issues or when I give my opinion on something or just in, in general. I think, I guess, suppose when you give an opinion on something, because I find that that's often when, um, when there's more backlash. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to avoid um, giving my opinion on social media about football things, unless I find it funny. Um, partly that's because it does bring idiots to your timeline and I just don't have time for that also because it's it's my job to ask other people what their opinions are you know I'm not a commentator I I don't and I mean that in the kind of broader sense of it I'm not someone who that that's that's not what I do my job is is to bring the best out of other people so that's part of it um the other thing the the other part of it though is that it does bring and I see it on other people's timeline a very specific type of abuse I think any kind of um, opinion brings abuse on social media I think women are subject to a, a, a very special kind um, that has a very uh, different layer to it and a very different tone to it that, ca- that is obviously misogynistic but can also be quite violent and, and threatening. And I think that that sort of um, threatening behaviour is more difficult for, for women to deal with. For all the reasons that we're seeing at the moment, or post-Sarah Everard, and, and, and as women are talking about their experiences in every day and the sort of um, steps that we take to make sure that we're safe throughout a day. When you live like that, and it's not saying everybody lives in a state of of heightened terror, but when you are aware of of threat in in your everyday life, I think that's why um, the response to to violent and aggressive threats on on social media is is stronger, I think, from from women. It's equally abhorrent to, to give it out to any sex, but... But I think that's why women respond to it in the way that they do. I think that you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there because obviously when fellas say something about football on Twitter, they do get abuse. But you're right that there is a very different tone to the abuse that women get. And I know I've experienced it myself. I've had death and rape threats in my DMs and been told that, you know, if someone sees me walking down the streets of Liverpool, they'll do X, Y and Z to me. And I just wonder, is that something that you have firsthand experience of as well? No, not first-hand experience. Um, it's, I think, I think in circumstances like that, I think there are, and look, I, I don't want to psychoanalyze these people because I think that, you know, we spend far too much time making excuses and trying to understand their, their behavior um, instead of trying to stop it and, and to rectify it. But I think there are power issues at play there. If you're perceived as having some kind of um, support behind you if like, as you said so if then they would they would come for you who's closer to the start of your career than they would like me who's been in it for 
20 odd years or whatever because there's a there's a power difference that they that they perceive and um they're they're bullies in the in the kind of in the worst sense of the world and it feels it almost feels a little bit like that's not a strong enough word to to describe them because it, it sort of has that playground um that playground feel to it but we know the effect the long-term effect that, that bullying can have but we also know that bullies um have have massive power issues and i think that's it it's about making themselves feel that they're in a position to shut someone down because they they lack any kind of um voice in their everyday life and, and they act out in an aggressive way online instead I'm interested in what you said there about there kind of being different points in a person's career and how that might affect the level of abuse, but also how discouraging it may be. And I just wonder, with your kind of experience in the industry, what you feel for women who might be just starting out wanting to break into the industry and not only seeing the abuse that that women working within sports media get, but also not seeing themselves in the industry kind of in as widespread a way as young men wanting to become football journalists would see and I don't know whether you think that's kind of off-putting for young women that that might want to take up a career in it or whether people are continuing to kind of forge their own paths regardless of those factors. Um, Do do you feel that there there isn't much representation when you look at when you look at um, at the world of of football journalism and football on on the telly do you do you feel that there isn't there isn't enough representation, not, not enough, but there isn't um, enough for you to kind of, to focus on, to, to aim for. I think there's, there's more than there ever has been in my life. And I think it's now, I think more often than not, there will be women on shows. There'll be women that I can read. they will be, they are there, but I just think equally a lot of the time I'll be watching a match, I'll be watching analysis afterwards, and it's all men. And I think that while there are women a lot of the time, I think I've never seen an all an all female panel. I've never seen an all female kind of analysis after a match. It's it, it's just not something that exists in the same way. Whereas I don't really question it or think twice when I just see a room full of men. So that there are more women. I just feel like you're still very aware that you're in a minority. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think part of that is a, is a practical issue in that you're covering the men's game. So the ex-players that you have, or if you have somebody who's played for that team, then there, there will be um, male representation within that. Um, I, I absolutely take your point. And it's really, um, it's really interesting listening to you because um, it, it, it's different from my experience because my experience was in a in a bubble at Sky Sports News right at the beginning where there was a on on screen there was a 50-50 male female balance at that time they wouldn't put two women on together but they would put two men on together that's changed um, and that changed quite a long time that changed in, in my time at Sports News which was a long time ago um, so yes there are strides forward I think um if it's seen as a hostile environment for young women to go into, I think that's really worrying. And I think that we, those of us who work in the industry have a huge responsibility to make sure that that it isn't seen like that, because actually once you're in it, it doesn't feel like that. I don't think as as a woman who works in, in football broadcasting, I don't feel like I'm on my own. I don't feel that there aren't other women like me, we tend to find each other and we tend to sort of seek each other out. And there, there is generally a, a real support network. And I think often um, 
there, there's often a, um, an attempt to kind of pit women against each other that we're, we're meant to be seen as, as rivals. When actually that, that's often very far from the truth. I'm not trying to paint this kind of Pollyanna-ish world where, you know, everybody likes everybody. Of course not everybody gets on. But I think in general, there is, there is a, a quite a, um, a decent support network within, with, within sort of women who, who work in football. Um, and so I think if, I think maybe we need to do more about that. And I think there are organisations like Women in Football that exist for that, that very reason. But I think we need to do rather than, uh, because I think there are, there are enough really good, really talented young women coming through that, that I think the numbers are going to start to, to even out even more as time goes on. But I think what we need to do in the meantime is make sure that um, we, we tell people that this, you know, I, I think sometimes we concentrate on all the worst parts of it. And I think it's important to say um, being a woman working in football is different from, from being a man. And there are very different experiences. And there are some that are horrendous and that nobody should have to put up with in, in their job. Um, and I think it's really, really important that we put up, uh, that I think it's really, really important that we don't put up with that and that we, we talk about it and we raise those issues. But equally, I think we have to be really careful that we don't make this sound like an extremely hostile, difficult environment, because there are times when it's a brilliant environment where it is really supportive and where it is a fantastic job to work in. And the reason I'm saying this is because I've been having, my, my daughter's 12 and I've been having life sort of conversations with her about different things. And she sees a lot of stuff on social media and asks about different campaigns and what people are talking about and has quite strong views on things because she's her mother's daughter. And, um, you know, I, I'm trying to say to her at the moment, it's important that you're aware of things, but don't think that the world is a, is a really horrible, hostile place. It isn't always you, you need to have a, a balance in this. So I think maybe what we, we need to do, I think we're getting much better at talking about the issues. And I think that's a really good thing. But I think we also need to get better about talking about how supportive and how great it, it can be for, for women who are working in football. Completely agree. Kelly, thank you so much. Thank you to Kelly Cates for that. I'm always amazed by, as kind of part of that solidarity in the industry thing, how generous with their time women who are at a much, much higher, more senior, more respected level than me in my career, uh, how generous they are with their time, how willing they are to chat about their experiences and how you, I just sent her a random email off my Hotmail account to be like, hi, I'm doing this show. <laughs> You're amazing. Please, will you be Push on it? Hotmail, like Amelia XOX. Yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> Silly Girl Meals 101. Um, and she was just like, she, I think she replied within 10 minutes went send me the dates that work for you I'll send you the dates for, that work for oh. me like I, I, I think given that we've all experienced this and all have very similar battle scars from having done this I think a lot of women when you approach them about something like this are like yeah I'm absolutely happy to speak about this and I think the only ones that aren't is because it's out of a kind of a self kind of preservation yeah. thing of mm -hmm. wanting to protect yourself and not wanting to talk about how bad it can sometimes be but hey let's talk about that a little bit more shall we <laughs> um, and the thing I want to talk about there that Kelly touches on a lot in that chat is being held to a higher standard um, and it's something that I'm sure we've all experienced that feeling of how much more does a woman have to know how much more on top of her shit does a woman have to be in order to just be on the same level as a man in the room um, that it often feels like you kind of have to work twice as hard to be taken equally as seriously you have to know twice as much to be seen as equally as knowledgeable and it 
it's it's exhausting. It's really, really exhausting. And Natasha, I don't know what your experiences are of that, of kind of feeling that just to be qualified in the room, you need to do so much more than a man to just get through the door. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was training and I was an intern somewhere and the football editor didn't speak to me for three, maybe four of the six months I was there. Wow. wow. Oh my he God. didn't even acknowledge me. I, I got the opportunity through someone else. I don't want to name names because then obviously it'll, it'll mention the paper, which it was. Um, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he basically didn't acknowledge me for the first half of my internship. And the own, the first time he acknowledged me was when he asked a question for the desk and I was the only person that answered. And after that, he became my best friend. And I think that was my real first experience of, oh, so now you believe that I know what I'm talking about. You didn't believe I got here because I knew what I was talking about, but now you do. Mm. Um, I think like any industry for, unfortunately, the people that are negative towards women in, in sport are still the majority. I'm sorry, they are. But it's those people that aren't, that really make a difference mm. because effectively they're the gatekeepers, mm. you know? They're the ones that can give us the experience. And like you're saying, you message, you emailed Kelly. I had the same experience. I, I emailed Janine and Vicky because they were the only two female sports journalists I knew and both of them got back to me. Both of them stayed in contact with me, advice. And, you know, I think, I think the doors are, are really thick. They're not bulletproof, but they're really thick. <laughs> but I tell you what, if you put on a really pretty pair of shoes, you can kick down those doors. <laughs> like put on your favorite shoes, fake it to make it and yeah. I know that sounds really flippant but those nerves we spoke about before mm. I would be so anxious before I was going to a game yeah. and my mum would be like don't worry about it put your lip gloss on be you yeah. Yeah. you know you know what you're talking about like you were saying about your sister and having that support mm. having someone whether that's friends or family that can kind of say you've got this mm. can make such a difference but don't think just because you can't open the door that it's closed you it's, might just have to kick it down mm. yeah and also that there's women there that like i think sometimes there's that fear that because you've had to get through all of this to get there that you'd then go no we're full now like there's no there's no oh, room no. for someone yeah. else to do that it's that like every woman that has had to go through what we've all had to go through to get into the industry is always willing to like throw down a hand to pull you up to go I know how hard this is and I'd like to try and make it easier for you even if it's just a case of managing your expectations in terms of what it is you're going to have to deal with like I'm here to lift you up which is without exception an experience that i've had with every single woman in sport media but i mean is it something that you you feel emma in terms of what you do kind of being like more of a, a kind of public facing side of it that you mm. in, in terms of like you're, you're putting it out there to one of the biggest audiences imaginable yeah. like having to know your shit having to be Absolutely. the absolute best at what you do it must be exhausting yeah exhausting is literally the, the way that i describe it i mean any i mean i'm just constantly exhausted like all, all the time um yeah it's 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 really difficult like i mentioned before you know i'm really lucky and i'm like very proud to say like i have some fantastic colleagues um you know there's times in the past there's times still to the current day where you will face people who are not as supportive that aren't you know necessarily working directly within you know my day-to-day -day team and that is still a hurdle that I have to come like you know across every day but the biggest one is always the audience and as you say you know I work for a company where it's like it is one of the biggest yeah. audiences mm. out there and as part of our job like I specialize in in the sort of the live testing on the BBC Sport website and as part of our job we literally engage with our audience for every you know every live yeah. text commentary so we essentially just have Twitter open, the BBC football hashtag, and then that is 
you know, part of the best live texts are the ones where you interact and you have a little bit of fun. Yeah. That means you have to physically read as part of your paid job mm. every single comment that comes in. It's not a choice oh, to ignore can it. Yeah. I, I, I can't yeah. ignore you, it. Yeah. You, you can't ignore it. So you have to learn. So you know, I'm, you so, have to I'm learn sorry, to I, couldn't, with that. I couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, you know, I say before, like it's 100% the hardest part of the job. And mm. it's almost like, you know, we have we have a really strong following on that. You know, there's there's a group of people, um, obviously within the hundreds of thousands that come to the BBC Sport website to enjoy that. And like certainly like the first six to six months to a year, maybe, I almost had to convince those hundreds of thousands of people, like, yeah. if you see my name on this live text, don't go away from the website. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like even just saying that sentence is a bit absurd, really. Mm. But you know, there was certainly, you know, people who gave me backlash and I had to just block them. I had to be like, you know what, whatever, because there's still, I'd like to think there's still, you know, a proportion out there who enjoy my work. And it was almost like I had to overcome that. And it, it was a really difficult period. And, you know, as I mentioned before, those colleagues of mine were really supportive and they were like, look, you're doing a fantastic job. Like some of the things that you do, like that's something I want to do. And I would take things off, off other people and be like, okay, how do you deal with, you know, a situation like this? So it was always around the controversial stuff. Like if it was like a VAR thing, it was like, I would just play it straight. Yeah. And it was almost like I earned the kind of the fan base as yeah. such, you know, mm. I, I feel awful saying that, but like there is, there's you kind of, a, yeah, there's almost like a BBC Sport fan base. And it was like, I almost had to earn that respect to, to then be able to show a bit of personality. But, but having it, to do those mental calculations, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like as in, it's just like, it's it, 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 like gymnastics that no one else yeah. is having to do to be in that room to go, right, there's been a VAR decision. This mm -hmm. is going to be controversial. People are going to have really strong opinions on it. And because I'm a woman, mm. I'm going to bear the brunt of this. Do you know what I mean? Of like, yeah. I'm not qualified to talk about it. I can't have a bit of a, like, not a laugh about it, but I can't kind of like have a comment on it. I've just got to play it straight. Isn't a consideration that other people have to take into account when they're no. doing this. And it's, it is like, it, it's an extra layer of work that we have to do in every single thing that we do. And it is, as you say, exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And it, my, my way almost of coming around that is like I say, initially was to play it straight and then almost earn, earn their trust and earn their respect. But then also in terms of, me personally, I learned with Wales, we, we learned ways to deal with it on social media, but also like kind of outside of work where initially when I was learning the job, I would always go back and read my live text naturally yeah. as you would, because yeah. I'd be like, okay, I want to see where I can improve personally. Mm. And I almost had to get to a point where I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to have to stop that. Can I ask you a question? How many of your male colleagues do you think did the same thing? Oh, like none, because I, I exactly. had conversations with them and like, you know, they'd be like, oh, what time did you go to bed last night? And they'd be like, oh, well, I came in and then I sort of read back the live text for half an hour and they'd be like, what? And then you prepped for tomorrow's game yeah. and, you, and you wrote yeah. down every goal score, the stat, yeah. the country they yeah. were from, you watched their previous. And and I think we're talking about the extra work we have to do. It's not just research. No. Mm. It's also appearance. I think Definitely. it's a huge oh, thing to me. No, yeah, oh and like that's the only, I mean, like thing. this, I imagine will be clipped. So it feels like people will be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> in the gym leave me alone um, but this is the point no disrespect to any of the boys they could all sit in here with a beard i mean we've all seen sky sports news the first the first games after august when all the pundits have been on holiday <laughs> yeah. and no one's seen a razor you know you all know what i'm talking about so do you imagine if i went on there 
yeah, looking exactly. with the lack of care that they did. Oh yeah. my God, look at her. She can't brush her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People don't take you seriously if you don't look professional, if you're not seen point, as presentable. You look too pretty to know about football. So yeah. Your or, up, she must be it? shagging it. Like, do you know that yeah. thing of like, uh, Mel has said this loads yeah, of people. Yeah. Been on, like, yeah, Mel yeah. Shagging a footballer. Where it's like, oh, they've got a lot of chemistry and Mel looks really pretty. She must be shagging Gareth. No, she's one of the most, she's one of the most talented female football yeah. journalists in the country. Yeah. That's why she's on this yeah. show. Like, yeah. it's not You can be attractive and be a football journalist. It's okay. But yeah. the same people that think girls and boys can't be friends so yeah you know, we've, we've all met that but it's like it's down to the the kind of uh, the qualification to be in the room element mm-hmm, of it of, of needing to look like you deserve to be there and yeah. that thing of uh, like again with like the criticism that I got on Barcelona a lot of it was to do with like what I was saying and just who I was but like People were horrible they about the way person. I looked. Horrible. Person. Like, you've got a five head, you look like Harry Potter, you're a man head. Like, like also just loads of people being like, you look like a lesbian in ways that I was like, well, you're half right at the very least. But also like, <laughs> just for, like it's just that, like the, if I can't disparage what you're saying or doing professionally, at least I can call you an ugly bitch and I can say that you look like shit. And it's really difficult to kind of go, like, luckily I absolutely love myself, but it's really hard <laughs> if you don't to have people say that like, if I can't insult what you're saying, if you've got your facts right, and yeah. that's the thing, you've done yeah. all your research, you've got your facts right, you've got all of this, fine, I'll just say that you look ugly, yeah. I'll just yeah. say that you're here. Do you know, do you know what really annoys me on social media? The lack of creativity. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to everyone, if you're going to insult me, come up with something better than she looks like Sol Campbell, like, which is like the first <laughs> oh, black footballer you've ever seen, yeah. oh, or God. your hair's frizzy. I don't care. We just like think of, like, exactly. think of, yeah. yeah. I look in the mirror, I'm happy with me, so come with a better yeah. insult, mm-hmm. I'm serious. Like, I mean, I, I know, like, I can say this knowing full well if Neil, John, anyone was listening to this, like the amount of times that like someone would cancel last minute on on a video show and they go, Lizzie, can you jump on? And I go, and like I, it, we'd have a laugh about it, but I, it genuinely comes yeah. from a place of like yeah. how people view women in that like I, I'd say things like I haven't washed my hair or yeah. I haven't brought extra makeup in every time I'm not wearing today. any clothes Neil, like, is it alright if this is clipped and very considerately was like yeah. is everyone okay with this being yeah, recorded I mess, show I Harriet yeah. are we recording yeah. this yeah. but I, I went need, like I, I would have washed my hair time. if I'd known because I would have but it's that thing of like it's well it's because but you're fundamentally ad- about us seeing each other like how you all see me it's what the audience sees it as and it's that it comes down to the fact that you are predominantly a decorative sex you're seen as ornaments do you know what I mean like that's what you are. I always remember actually when you come in to do the show before the O2s Mm. and you were dolls up and eyes looked unreal by the way thanks (laughs) and and it was just like don't get me wrong obviously this is this is another thing it was it was it was complimentary in that obviously Mm. you looked really good but all of a sudden it's like there was just this outpouring of like people feeling the need to tell you (laughs) I need you You to know that you know and it's like I sometimes I think like a lot of men don't understand that while they think they're being quite complimentary that actually we want you to comment on what we're saying first basically we don't care what you think about how we look yeah Yeah. but so listen though like some i don't know some women might Mm. but i think in just from my personal experience of talking Mm. about football i always want to be judged on what i'm saying first rather than what i look like however the way i think is the other way around it what do i look like Mm. then what do I say because yeah. I think do you know what I mean it's the it's, order that it, they're going to take it, you down it, in it, I yeah. always it's think it's hard like, it's just so hard and I think a lot of what we talk about is like online isn't it that's yeah. what a lot of what yeah. we've spoken about is very much online and, and it's quite a unique thing I think to have in your job where you you could be judged for those sorts of things I think with me in terms of like again it's probably a role that like 
people who listen to this might not really properly not when I say associate me with like probably don't really know just how much I do sort of like behind the scenes in my mm. in my job and what my job, job role is always being and because naturally it is a, a heavily male industry mm. I I got into you know radio and it was sports slash talk radio when I was 21 so and as a radio producer or as a producer your job is to direct a presenter to essentially do what you want um and sort of you've got to guide it and you've got it's on you it's your responsibility and you can only imagine all i've met throughout up until the job i'm in now is men and that's not to say anyone's been horrible but Mm. i don't think people like properly understand being a 20 something woman especially when you come in new somewhere but even when you're not new like trying to tell men who are older than you mm-hmm. almost what you want them to do yeah. what they have to do because that's your job like and and again it's not necessarily because they give you grief all the time yeah. that's not that's that prompt that is not what i'm saying it's intimidating yeah. but it is because all i think of is oh god i've got to tell so and so to do this and what will he say if i yeah. do this how, because, how are my words in it does it sound yeah. rude does it sound I, aggressive I, oh, yeah, 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 the yeah, amount yeah. of times <laughs> the amount <laughs> I pull, my phrasing is I just want to say, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. all those. I just, I just, I, I can't just come just in and yeah. be like, move on to this topic. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be, is it okay? Is it okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. you, I always feel like my age, coupled with the fact that I'm a woman mm-hmm. in a football industry, again, it's not because no one's explicitly or anyone's done anything. That's what I keep saying is like, you're just, it's ingrained in you to, yeah. to mm-hmm. automatically think that they think a certain way mm-hmm. about you. Do mm-hmm. you yeah. know what I mean? It's a lot of microaggressions, but it's funny you say that. I, I actually worked for a company and when I left, and my manager did an email. He started it with, can I just say? I didn't realise in every meeting we were having every day, when I had an idea, I would, like you were saying, I would be like, can I just say? Asking, I didn't realise I was doing it. Yeah. Until like, we made a joke about it in the email, but when I thought about it after, I was like, not in a disrespectful way, but I was a lot more experienced than some of my other colleagues on the Mm. same level. But I still felt I had to ask for permission to give my ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas they just say, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of if that makes sense or yeah. like um fine if not or like put an extra yeah. like so i toned down the number of exclamation points i put at the end of different yeah. things where you're just like i don't want to sound like i'm being boss bossy is the ultimate word do you know all where you mm, like yeah. like like i've got ideas above my station which is absolutely obscene yeah. and i think it comes down to that kind of the fear of the reaction that you know you may get either kind of like internally with the people that you're working with, whether it's kind of like down to flagrant sexism or just down to like an ingrained kind of latent, it's just the way society is. And this is the way that all of the experiences that we have are, or whether it's down to the audience and the people that are actually, the people that are kind of consuming the product that you're putting out there who are often, because they see themselves as consumers, much more savage than the people that you're working with in the office because they are holding you to a standard of what they deem to be kind of what they're expecting. I think that that reaction is the hardest bit because as we said in the previous part, some men just hate listening to women talk about football. And they you're never really hate change it. Those people, so I just wish they keep them out. Just yeah. no, I'm being I'm no, fully, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that sounds yeah. so yeah, simple, no, but yeah. there are people in this world who don't like people due to colour, due to sexuality, due to gender, mm-hmm. and as much as you know i'd love to change the world that everyone you know th- this world is full of equality i think we're all right in saying that that's not going to happen especially not overnight yeah. mm. so why have you got to feel the need to be tweeting someone from your mum's <laughs> best, best, best oh, oh you my know, god box room you know, in your no one cares 
you cared enough to open your phone, this, press this. reply, yeah. write your tweet yeah. and press yeah. tweet. Yeah. Clearly you it, care. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do they really care in a bad way. If I see a TV show or someone famous on Twitter who I'm not interested in, I keep scrolling. I don't spend that time. I mean, like this, sorry, I was just going to say, like there's so many male pundits that I don't like and I don't go out of my way to tag them in a tweet and go, I don't like it. I just, I just don't, you know, yeah. I, I say don't like. I have nothing against them personally. I've never met them don't personally. Enjoy. It's like, a bad opinion yeah, that didn't like me presented yeah. the point. Still but people online exactly, yeah. I disagree and troll them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's never. This is the thing. Like, and that's what a lot of people. This is where the, the I think the discussion gets lost. Is that people go, oh well, you know, I'm just going to plug in it. Jamie Redknapp says this, 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 mm. or, or mm-hmm. Alan Shearer says this, and I'll tell Alan Shearer. But what they fail to understand is that's fine. You might troll Shearer the same way you troll Roy Keane. God, mm-hmm. God, look, good luck with that. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> you will never bring in the fact that they are male exactly yeah. or how they or how they the look thing. or yeah, their weight yeah, 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 or their yeah. skin tone exactly. no. or their race or their sexuality you'll just say I disagree what the fuck you said. That's literally yeah. what you say, or you're chatting out your ass. Now yeah. I'm no I'm allowed to swear this could be a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah with us you'll say oh you're ugly oh you know your hair's like this or yeah. you're fat or mm-hmm. or you're black or you whatever spend too it much is. time doing yeah. your lipstick and not reading about football yeah really mate well, this is the thing it works both ways that you're either an ugly bitch who hasn't made an effort or you're a dolly bird who doesn't yeah. talk about who wants, you're only there because of this, this, this yeah well, no but this is the point like i've once been told when criticizing something that was being suggested as as something to be published in a kind of sporting context context or publication i won't name but it's not the one that i work for now i got told listen darling i'll ask your opinions if i want them but otherwise why didn't you stick to writing stories about the wags I can like, guess. Also, I can guess. The wags get loads of page was. views. They get exactly. loads of page views. People love reading them. But by, honestly, by the way, the word "darling" now, like, if anyone ever calls me that, like, even if they meant it in like a loving way, I'm like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> I, I associate it with like online trolls. Yeah, yeah. Like, listen, darling. that is the word. The only exception to that is um, Dave Prentice, who um, has recently left the Echo yes. from Everton, who um, has called for the for the five years that I worked at the Echo, called me Petal, and every single oh, time I, love I loved it. I was like, yeah. oh, Dave, call oh, me Petal. Call again. Me petal I loved it. It was like in, a, in, a, in like a dad beautiful way. That yeah. I'd, and he'd be going, listen, Petal, I'll give you the details for that person so that you can write the story. We like just, he, he was always yeah. helping you. Well, yeah. well, I just, I mean, that's the it's the you know when you see it element of it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That the like it's being. It can work. It can work though. Like you just mentioned, the Anfield draft. Like the Anfield draft has come so so far in terms of like, you know, even over like the last year, last year too, whatever. It mm. and and it's going in a way because it it believes in it. And mm. and you know, look now, we're in a room full of women. Like yeah. and that's yeah. the payoff. Is that yeah. I was on the Anfield rap you know, when these guys started. Yeah, I yeah. Was, yeah. when and like, about you, you were only one of the only women who would come yeah. on and talk about another team as well. Yeah, was, and we were doing any other women that would come on and talk about other football teams. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The Anfield does believe in it, and yeah. that's the thing. Is and, the, and it's not. Do you know what it is? They're not doing lip service. No, they're not like because of the past three years, they're suddenly saying it's genuinely what they have always Mm -hmm. done Mm -hmm. like yeah it's not a reaction that's a really important point because i I actually want to talk about this because there's been times where uh like i won't name the place but i essentially got a phone call from um i don't know the owner of a publication was like like we love your stuff we want you to work for us and i was like all right okay and then they went on to almost say like in the same sentence, yeah, we're looking for more females. And I was mm-hmm. like, not interested. Yeah. Like, I didn't even listen to the rest of the phone call because I was like, you don't know who I am. Like you genuinely yeah. have no idea who I am because for one, the job offer that they offered, I was like, that's completely different to anything I have experienced in. And it was almost like they 
they'd read basically the live text mm, that yeah. I'd done the night before. And I was like, oh, okay. So they think I have expertise in that specific club. And it is so far from mm. the truth that I'm like, that is actually hilarious. But then that sentence that followed and it's like out of respect as a professional, that was the only reason why I picked up the phone and had the conversation <laughs> in the first place. And that like instantly I was like, I have zero respect for mm -hmm. you. Like I'm putting the phone down. Yeah. And I was like, that's it, end of conversation. But I should say, so I, I like, it's different to that. I'm a genuinely really big believer in positive discrimination within sports media because I think that like if you've held a certain group of people back historically and mm, societally for a very long time and then you're going, go on, you're racing and it's an equal race, but you've held someone back for however many hundreds of meters, it's not an equal race. Yes. So I'm a, like a firm believer in the fact that you should, you should give opportunities to groups who have yeah. historically been discriminated against within yeah. a certain industry, within a certain institution. You should be going, look, we've not done you fairly for however long. So like this, this is what we're trying to redress i don't reactionary is yeah. not is not yeah. something where you're going oh i've noticed and it's, it's only ever reactionary to a kickoff about something of yeah. like there's been a real backlash to me too to black lives matter so we need more of certain faces we need more of this when you're going that's not genuine you don't believe in that yeah. those those, yeah. those aren't your values and that is i think what the anfield rap is opposite to that it's yeah. never a reaction to whatever's in the news Absolutely. whatever is the current flashpoint it's like a genuinely held belief which is why it makes a difference but um yeah I, I, going from that and I mean we could talk about this at length and we will after this because there's still a lot of Prosecco but um <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about how it feels to be the first woman to do something and to kind of trailblaze for other women and to kind of be the voice that little girls hear and go oh my god that's a woman doing that um and the kind of the standard and the expectation that you're inevitably held to by as a result of doing that and the kind of the criticism that comes along with it. So there's no one better to talk to about um, that than Jackie Oatley, um, who knows an awful lot about being the first to do something. She, um, if you didn't know, I'm sure you do, um, in 2007 became the first female commentator on Match of the Day with a debut broadcast for the Premier League match between Fulham and Blackburn Rovers. And we talked about that, but we talked about a lot of other things because she is a queen among women. So let's listen to me chatting to Jackie Oatley and try not to fangirl too much. Jackie, you were the first woman to commentate on Match of the Day with your 2007 broadcast for the Premier League Fulham and Blackburn game. But before that, you were also the first woman to commentate on a football match on network radio in the UK in 2005. Being the first is historic and exciting and incredible, but I imagine it's also incredibly daunting and intimidating. And I wonder if you could kind of take us through how you felt in the run-up to those big firsts and the reaction that you got immediately after them. Yeah, it was a little bit odd because... Whilst it was a real honour, obviously, to be asked to commentate on Match of the Day, because I was commentating regularly on Premier League games for Five Live anyway, it didn't feel like an earth-shattering um, experience or something that was going to be front-page news, for example. Of course not, because I'm just me and I'm just a journalist and a commentator, same as all the others are. So it didn't feel special in that regard, apart from that it would be obviously something of a career milestone and, and an honour to do a one-off game. There was no job that was handed to me, all this nonsense that was, that was written and said and assumed and what have you. So I was a little bit taken aback, she says, with a, a huge dose of uh, understatement. I was taken aback by it. I mean, I've spoken about it quite a few times. So I don't want to bore anybody who's heard the story before. But um, yeah, it was, unfortunately, it, it made it into the Daily Mail on the Tuesday before the Saturday. And I'd naively hoped that nobody would know about it till they were a bit sozzled on the sofa at quarter to midnight that Saturday night. And they go, oh my God, is there a bird on? What's the world coming to? I'd hoped it was just going to be that. And <laughs> but um, no, it, 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 was, it was weird and it, it wasn't great at the time. I, 
you know, I'm never going to, I'm not never going to tell any porkies about it. I, I did find it difficult to deal with just because I didn't want to be the story. And it's one of the first things I learned to, on my postgrad course in journalism was don't become the story. And you're always in mind, um, you always have that in mind and you don't want to become the story. But of course it was completely out of my control. I never wanted to be the story. There was, there was never an announcement contrary to popular opinion. And people still think it now that there was some kind of announcement. There wasn't at all. It was just a journalist did his job and had good contacts and was told something. And so he, uh, he ran with it and he was right that it was a, a story of interest because obviously subsequently it was picked up elsewhere. So but the bigger picture, that was a long time ago now, 2007. And the main thing for me was that even though it was an extraordinary experience and not one I would ever, ever wish on anybody because of the, the pressure and the stress and the, all the things that were said about me, which were completely untrue, virtually everything was untrue because people were really guessing and assuming. And I didn't do any interviews on purpose because I didn't want to add any fuel to the fire or just, or just go away. But I think looking at the bigger picture, that was then, this is now, we have other women doing all sorts of jobs in football. And I'm just so relieved that it's really nowhere near as big a deal as it was then. And I think women are generally more respected. I mean, it's uh, it's sad really that it's ever been an issue, but I think it's really come from the fact that a lot of lads and men have grown up with the women in their family, not knowing so much about football. And therefore, these preconceptions build up and, and they assume that women can't possibly be as passionate, as, which is one thing that was thrown at me, um, or as knowledgeable and all the other things. And of course, it's complete nonsense. And, you know, I would never judge all male commentators the same. And so it's a little unfair for people to judge female commentators as one entity. It's just it's just a nonsense. But hey, ho, we've moved on and uh, things are looking rather rosier for the, for the female landscape in football now. I certainly hope they are. Well, sozzled on the sofa or not, I think that commentary was the first time that for a lot of women and for a lot of young girls that we heard someone that sounded remotely like us in a sphere that had previously been reserved entirely for men. And I think in that sense, it was a game changer because it opened a sense of possibility and it kind of forged a path for other women who thought, well, I can do that as well. And I wonder, you say, obviously, 2007 is a long time ago and thankfully things have changed a lot since then for the better, but also there's kind of the added element of social media now and how much more difficult that can make things for women because I think it's relatively accepted that women play the internet on a harder setting. And while being kind of in the Daily Mail is one thing, for women commentating on a much lower level than that and trying to get involved in sport media in different ways, it can sometimes feel like that Twitter backlash can hit you just as hard, regardless of whether you're commentating on match of the day or just trying to have a voice within your own kind of fan culture. And I don't know whether you think in some regards it's actually gotten quite a bit harder. Yes, because I didn't join Twitter till 2009 and it wasn't really that common then at all. Most people I knew weren't on it. It was actually friends that that said, hey, you should get on this. It's good. And I was like, what is it? And so I went on just because he told me to. It wasn't because people around me were on it. And yes, on the one hand, it was brilliant that there was no Twitter then. Could you imagine? Because all the phone-in shows and BBC Breakfast, morning debates and radio phone-ins on every single network, they were all extraordinary and they're all based on untruths. None of them seemed to know the facts of what was going on, that I hadn't been given a job, but it was just, I was a five live commentator doing matches every week nobody batted an eyelid I didn't get any hate mail or anything from that or anything it was just but I think 
in a way, Twitter can be a force for good because had I had more of an online footprint, I mean, Wikipedia didn't exist then. I don't think anybody really knew anything about me apart from one interview I'd given to my local Wolverhampton Express and Star newspaper back in 2005 before I was about to commentate on the women's Euros. So therefore, people had these preconceptions and they ran with them that I'd never played, for example. Not true, um, but I'd just been asked to do it because I was the nearest woman around. Not true. And, you know, all these things about my background, you know, a lot of women listening to this podcast will have been brought up with football and gone from an early age and, and been to matches all over the country. And there's literally no difference in their knowledge and passion to anybody else. Um, so it was a bit of a shock to me. So had I had some sort of online footprint, it might have helped me out if people had known I had retrained as a journalist. I'd started right at the bottom in non-league football. I'd commentated in non- non-league football. This wasn't my first commentary, for goodness sake. <laughs> I've been doing radio for years. And, um, and I think had people known that, it would have been easier for me. Um, but on the flip side, my goodness, the backlash that people, some people do suffer on the back of really not very much can be so unpleasant. Really, really, I mean, we saw what happened with Karen Carney. And once there's a bit of a momentum, and I've noticed it really, it can be quite club specific. If you say something that a particular fan base doesn't like, that can suddenly grow legs and it can it can be totally misconstrued from what the person actually said in the first place, by the way, and how they said it. But because somebody's twisted it, put it on social media, so this person said this about our club, they must hate us, therefore everybody pile in on them. Wow, that can be horrifying. And I've had that happen with two clubs, fan bases, and I've muted the lot of them. And, and it's totally based on like, nothing that they should have been offended about at all, basically. But yeah, so pros and cons of social media, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, the um, the Twitter mute and uh, quality filter function are the reason that my life is much much happier now than it was a few years ago. I think once you discover it, you realise that you can uh, you can see what you want to see and what you're willing to engage with, which is a good thing. Um, well, it's quite funny. I was thinking, oh, that particular fan base isn't isn't mean to me anymore. I, I don't get all these nasty words anymore. And then I happen to be looking at my muted words. I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> Yeah, it's, none of them are getting through. That's brilliant. It works. It really does. <laughs> I feel like with them, um, even with those pros and cons in mind, it sounds like you are overwhelmingly positive about what has changed in the time that you've been in the industry. And I wonder what you see the future as being for women in sport media, whether you still think there's as much of a requirement to be better than the men that are on the same level as you, to know more, to not be able to be called out on mistakes and to kind of always have to give 100% to be regarded as as kind of 50% of what a comparable man could do. And I wonder whether you think that is getting easier or if it's still a problem for us. Yeah, that's a great question because I think in some ways it's, in some ways it's easier because there is more of a drive for diversity. So not so long ago, it was completely normal to have an all-male lineup on panels of all sorts of, not just sports, all sorts of shows, you know, comedy shows that all men, because, oh, well, women aren't funny, so we haven't got any women. And then that, that had to change because it was ridiculous. There was what, 50% audience of a lot of these programmes and they realised the representation was terrible and then the Black Lives Matter and all the rest of it. And people are going, hang on a minute, we haven't got any black people on our panel, quick, you know. And rather than actually thinking right, let's get the best people and let's make sure we represent our audience in the best way so that we are um, getting the best people to represent them. And, and if they can't find somebody who's of a diverse background immediately, then 
they need to be looking into the culture and that's what some organizations such as the athletic who i do a wolves podcast for have actively done i've gone right well there aren't many female football writers so let's do something about it and let's have a an open day and let's try and spot the best talent and, and see who we can maybe nurture our own way so that's fantastic um but i think that um unfortunately there is absolutely definitely an element of a mistake coming out of a woman's mouth is magnified a hundred times compared to if it comes out of a man's mouth or if it's in print and I know of a female print journalist who once wrote that um, a player was um, Algerian instead of Moroccan it was just a you know just a little slip and of course she should have double checked but by the way the sub-editor should have noticed too um, and she, she ended up losing her job not just because of that but that was held up as a thing and her successor I mean Let's just put it this way. He's not held to the same standard, shall we say. Um, another example of a female, before the era of Twitter, a female reporter had buzzed in to say that there'd been uh, a goal scored in a game. She saw the goal scored. She buzzed in, wrote her notes. Ah, so-and-so scored. It's 1-0, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then late, nobody told her that the goal had been disallowed. And so she carried on for a while until eventually she realised she lost her job. She doesn't work in this industry anymore. She lost her job. And I know for a fact, because I heard one of them, and I know about another one too, two men have done exactly the same thing. It's so easily done, especially before the era of Twitter, when you might be keeping a closer eye, or somebody in the studio could happily tell you, actually, that goal hasn't come up, and you double-checked it, wasn't disallowed. And of course, you'd be mortified, but it can happen if you're looking down and there's no one to say, oh, it's okay, the flag was up in that corner that you can't actually see because your press box position is so bad and the fans are in the way. Um, so it's just a fact that women are not held to the same standards as men. So therefore, I think in reality, even though it shouldn't be the case, I have to be honest and say that I do an extraordinary amount of prep. I do way too much prep. I don't really have days off because today in theory is a day off that we're speaking, but I'm doing loads of prep because I've got two games at the weekend so when I go to those games I'm freelance so I get paid just for those games I don't get paid for the two days prep I've done in the VARTS <laughs> that's just that's just how it is and that's my choice and that's just how it works um same with any tournament I spend days on end you know working on a darts tournament that's not part of your pay but it it doesn't come into my thinking you just do it and you just know that that's that's part of it so um I do a lot of prep and even my producers at the Darts, I say to them, look, don't take it personally when I double check something three times um, because I saw a mistake in the script the other day and was about to say it at the start of a show and I spotted they'd written the wrong surname. And I thought, if I'd have started the show mentioning a player who wasn't there because I hadn't seen it before, um, then I would get absolutely lambasted and it would be bloody women darts presenters don't know what they're talking about. And even though this is a tournament of 150 players with lots of players that people aren't familiar with even so I would have been lambasted and in a way rightly so because I had to make sure that didn't happen so I am extra extra not paranoid but extra careful to do extra prep and to work extra hard to minimize the chances of making a mistake but my professional pride more than anything because I'm a bit OCD when it comes to being correct and factual I really <laughs> I really am a big weirdo but it matters to me. Accuracy, grammar, language, all these things really matter to me. Um, but I do think that one little mistake is a female. And I'm afraid you can be written off forever in some people's minds. I think that's absolutely the case. And I know it's something that 
I've experienced it's something that I feel every time I do a show every time I do a piece of video anytime I write anything that I feel like I have to be better than and more prepared than in order to be considered on the same level as and that's something that is really difficult and in some ways it's incredibly reassuring to know that someone of your standing in the industry still feels the same so thank you very much for that yeah it's a shame I wish it wasn't but I think also there's no point in us sitting around complaining about it we just need to keep having these conversations and hopefully we can get through to people who think well actually it doesn't make sense to judge women by different standards. We can still judge from afar. We all judge on TV, don't we? We all sit and, and we judge the people that we see and the people we hear and if they make a mistake. But, but really, I think it's important we ask ourselves a question. When we say, oh, she made a mistake there. She clearly doesn't know what she's talking about. Just maybe stop yourself for a second and just think, does she really not know what she's talking about? Was she in the middle of a live three-hour broadcast whereby every single presenter, male or female, will make a slip? They just will. And you've just got to maybe stop yourself from from allowing yourself to go that little bit further and thinking she, she doesn't have a clue she probably does she's just probably got a heck of a lot going on <laughs> thank you very much jackie thank you to jackie uh, an absolute legend and i tell you what the bits when these clips are getting played you should hear the tea that's getting spilled but anyway <laughs> tell you what we, we've got battle scars and we're willing to show each other them in the bits when the other inserts are getting played but um, no generally i want to i want to move from our experiences and the difficulties and the things that we have to deal with to talk about whether there's a cause for hope which i think we've done a little bit to be yeah. honest without even being prompted it's not like i'm kind of trying to shoehorn it in at the end to end this on a positive note but it would be nice to end on a positive note we've talked about the women who help other women within you within the industry we've talked about representation getting a lot better i certainly see a lot more women i see a lot more people that aren't just the same white fella presenting every single thing or the same white fella's voice on every single show which is a good thing and i feel like we've seen improvements i feel like there's a degree of hope in kind of what is in the future for women in the sport and i mean lizzie i, I guess you've gone from kind of working to with a big broadcaster to working for a, a kind of like a specialist fan base yeah. like almost cultish like the yeah, band yeah. rap in terms of like we all love this team and we love this particular voice talking yeah. about this particular team to kind of move on to something new now and I guess I just wonder what with all those different experiences and different platforms what do you feel about the future for women in the industry I'd like to think hopeful I think because for me what what I've loved in going into the new job is what I was saying before about not seeing anyone like me in terms of my role. That was genuinely true. I was the only, you know, female sports producer at Radio City. Um, I was one of only two women at the Anfield at the time when I was here. I was the only one working in content full time. Mm. Obviously there was women contributors. The contributors grew and it was amazing. But in this new job now, like I walked in there and I, do you know what? Like, and this is how bad it is. It shocked. It actually shocked me how many women were there. Mm. And also at the level I'm at, which is, you know, like a fairly decent level. Um, it's a very good level. No, um, <laughs> no, but like the, and do you know what? Even, because I think, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to be thingy, but I think sometimes we might even judge women ever so slightly. I mm. think naturally, and and I hate the fact that that happens. That's because no, we've we're been, taught we've been to accustomed do it by, to believe yeah. there's a one in situation. Yeah, yeah. So, was, so it's not even we're we're being catty against yeah. each other. We're just scared that if you bring someone else in, you're gonna yeah. It's the out yeah. that yeah. she's she's gonna the thing of like women right, are taught to see each other yeah. not as competitors for like as in women yeah. are taught to see yeah. each other as competition, not as allies. Yeah, and I found that quite jarring. However, it was like quite liberating and I, I could literally probably say, see, I've just been thinking about it, I was counting and I could probably name at least 10 in one team of That's women incredible. from like, you know, 
bottom to top, top to bottom. Yeah. And and so good. you know, when I think about these producers now, like um I I certainly don't question about the fact that oh, they're a, they're a woman, so they can't do it. like I look at them on pure ability and I see them genuinely on the same level as all the ma- the males I work with and whether I've done that before in the past I can't I can put my hands on my heart and honestly say I, I don't know if I have but again I'm I'm quite accepting to the fact that's probably to do with how society is and how it gets into our brains and stuff and almost like feeling like you've got to you know compete with women sometimes because it's, it's a bit of like yeah. survival instinct mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. and, and that's quite horrible to admit but I think yeah. I think we're told like it, you'd almost become a token female sometimes but mm. I tell you what like it, it's so and you know what seeing how all the male staff um speak and ask around the, one. it's honestly like i don't feel like anyone looks at me and thinks she doesn't know what she's talking yeah. about mm-hmm. like people come to me and go in work lizzie i'm doing a section on liverpool mm. either like what's a bit you know They're what do you reckon fellas, you, yeah can you and and i feel like on a level for probably the first time in my career yeah. and that's not because that's so anyone's good. outwardly done anything to me it's it's just how everything sort of come together and how how naturally it is and and I've been quite like retrospective about this in that you know I I was gonna sort of not even disagree but I don't think I I did all that I knew I've faced many barriers coming into the industry mm. because as far as I was concerned I worked really hard and I got to where I did it's only now I'm starting to realize I probably had to work harder than men but I yeah, just didn't yeah. see that yeah um, so I find it Honestly, it's it's such a different experience working with women, but not just working with women, but working with women who are respected by the men. And honestly, like it is, and and, and what I'm saying is, it shows it can be done. And like, you know, like that's be done. That's a testament to again, but it's also an institution amount, you know and I mean? a culture. Mm-hmm. Back in something, just exactly. going right. We're doing this, and yeah. we're doing it a hundred percent, and we're doing whatever it requires in terms of hiring, in terms of like, well. like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's the thing. a backing of women here, and that, like, that's what I yeah. always love. To a cultural and institutional policy of women get a voice here, and they get a seat at the table, and they are valued, which is really refreshing. Only in the context of it doesn't happen everywhere. And it's I mean, an internal decision here. I think that, that I think that's one thing to really point out. I'm lucky now to work. For primarily for a company where my team of I think there's six of us half of us half of us are girls you know um and having been in this industry probably a bit longer than some other people you know I've seen the difference of walking in a press room and there being one or two you know (laughs) or just one (laughs) um to now walking in a press room and there there being 25 percent or seeing pictures at football or hearing girls talk on football seeing people like Emma you know you've got Jackie and all these women I think in the 12 years I've been doing this I'm hopeful it's not going as quick as I want but I'm definitely hopeful because now I see young girls saying I've seen you or I've seen Jessica Crichton or I've seen yeah. Jeanette. Yeah. I know I can do that. When yeah. I started out, I had no one that looked no. like me. Yeah. There was like a few of us that all looked the same and we, we, you know, we built a group together and that helped us be stronger. But I'd like to think that in 10 years time, we'll be having this conversation and it'll be a case of bloody hell. Why is there so many of us? There's <laughs> <laughs> not enough room, kick yeah. them out. Exactly. Uh, can I ask a question probably to both you and Emma actually? Um, something that I feel like I've noticed personally, um, again, I don't necessarily work in, in sort of written journalism. I'm obviously a lot more like broadcast. 
I think broadcast journalism is that, you know, if you were to look at like a graph, the, the, it's going higher and higher and it's just moving and moving and moving. Yeah. But do you feel like with written journalism and that traditional form of journalism, that is a lot slower? Because I feel like in terms of big sort of national names to the levels that we know of like the really big journalists, we mm-hmm. don't need to name because there's so yeah. many of them, but I can only pick out genuinely off the top of my head, one name, maybe two of that sort of, top international level i'm seeing a lot more like the local levels and stuff but do you feel like it's a lot slower in written journalism than it is maybe than on camera and Um, on microphones i i started in written journalism pretty much like the first four or five years of my career so i i would agree with you i think god for for written there is a perception of employing any female and you're aware Mm -hmm. of the fact that she's a female she might have babies and I think, no, no, it <laughs> no, sounds no, really legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so, the, like, I think this is one of the reasons that women thrive more in broadcast because it's more visual. Yeah. And we talked about the whole how you look yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And then also because it has less structure than written. Written is a, a 12 month job. Mm-hmm. Broadcast or radio might just be a seasonal yeah. job. Mm-hmm. So I, from my personal experience, I can't speak for everyone. I've been aware of editors alluding to the, you know, how old are you and yeah. you know where were, oh, where yeah. were you in your life but i think as well it comes down to if you're a company that's trying to virtue signal and if you're a company yes. when we we're talking about that reactionary yes. level of like trying to have women represented if you're going right shit, it's looking bad now yeah, we, we need a women, girl yeah, a face yeah. is a really good way of going look there's a woman without going yeah. well there's no women producers there's yeah. no women runners there's, there's no women show writers you but you can see a woman's yeah. face we've put a woman on yeah. there so yeah. you can't say that we haven't got representation yeah. but like I think when we talk about that, like seeing people represented, when we went back to the start of the show and talking about a woman trying to get into her girl, like a young woman trying to get into this industry, seeing themselves represented, feeling like there's a way in, seeing it's accessible. And we talk about the women that we saw and listened mm. to who made us feel like it was possible. And like genuinely, like the three of you that are on this are that woman for someone that is consuming sport media, whether it be in a live blog format, whether it be in a podcast they're listening to, whether it be in something that they're watching on the telly, like they're seeing your faces, hearing your voices and reading your words and they're seeing that it is possible mm. for them. And I guess, Emma, like, is that something that uh, it must feel like a weight of responsibility in terms of when we yeah. talk about the pressure to be better and to do whatever, it's that you not only want to do it to represent the other women that are in that industry, but you also want to show that you deserve it and show that this is possible for other girls who will come after you. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you asked me this question because I wanted to talk about this because actually just the self-rewarding thing, I think, is really important. So in terms of, you know, Lizzie, you asked that question about broadcast and I, you know, I absolutely agree with the comments that have, that have already been said by everyone. But in terms of, you know, me personally, I, I never read any female print work. Yes, I knew of the odd broadcast names because as, you know, as you say, like they're, they're on TV, you see them. No one ever goes, oh, this was the first person to cover this game in mm. print as a woman. No one ever talks about written, ever. I was the first person to get women's football on the back pages in the mirror amazing yeah you fucking congratulations i'm sorry do you know no, what? that's that's no one thing that's genuinely historic women. let's the praise mirror. ourselves that, more that, well, yeah. that, that's exactly the point that that i was about to make because it's almost like you know that is a fantastic achievement and well done to you absolutely praise yourself because you deserve it and you know i've had first other friends of mine have had firsts and there's times where it's like no one else to them it's not yeah. a big deal like i remember just as an example um gosh was it on the it might be in the men's world cup in 2018 and um i was doing the live text for an england game and someone was like i think this is the first time we've had a female doing the live text for an england game in a world cup on the bbc sport website and i was like that is massive but every, and, and every I, I went step we take gives 
yeah, a big yeah. thing for it's, all it's the massive. people to come Exactly. And it's like, I went and like told all of my family and I was like, this is a massive deal. And I yeah. felt amazing about it. No one, like I, I wasn't going to post on social media because it's to other people. Yeah. Like they would have been like, well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But because, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that broadcast is more important, absolutely not. But in some industries, people see broadcasters yeah. is almost more important. And I almost feel as a written journalist, I don't know whether you disagree coming from like, obviously I'm, you know, biased being a written journalist. I don't know whether you see it from a different angle, Lizzie, but certainly as a written journalist, there is no, because there's no face and there's no voice, it's just a random name on a piece of paper. Mm. So you judge by your name. Yeah. 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 And, it's, and, uh, yeah. and it's it's almost like it's very hard to see that person. So the self-reward thing for me is massive. And I actually think we, we have more of that celebration these days. We have more people, you know, that discuss print and written yeah. journalists, uh, which for me is massive. And also just the, you know, I alluded to it earlier, but the male allies, like the amount of times that like my colleagues have said like, that was amazing like that you've done that and that your name's on there and I'm so glad that we've got a female voice to say it and they don't mean it in a patronizing way it's very much the opposite it's very much a and not being threatened yeah it's yeah. yeah they're almost like a what a refreshing side of things that they we give have you the your shoulder to help voice. you to make you b- they see what you can be yeah they see how talented you are and let's be honest we all doubt ourselves mm, because we've got those social media voices or the people in the office that don't respect us those allies that we have, I've had like mentors and allies who have been men in my career. And I'll be honest, they just give me that calmness sometimes to remind me that I am good enough to do yeah. this. It doesn't matter what the idiots say, but we can do that. Absolutely. All of us in this room have achieved what we've achieved because of talent, hard work, and also expertise. And no one can ever take that away from us. And I think it's important for everyone to celebrate that. And I also think it's important for the male allies to be given that almost sort of well done yeah. for supporting us and congratulating can't us as well. Can't be done without men. Absolutely yeah. can't be. Any fight needs more people than who it's affecting. I always yeah. believe that. Just because it's not affecting you, if you want things to be better, then, then you know, make time. make your piece, say your comment, pull up your friends. Mm. Like, well, that, if your yeah, mate's saying to you they is. don't like her because of her voice, say, was she wrong? Say, does she know what she's talking about? Then her yeah, voice yeah, is yeah. irrelevant. You be know, the one to it, call it doesn't out. matter yeah. yeah well this has been um among the most life-affirming experiences that i've <laughs> ever had um no legitimately and i'll try and do it without crying even though i've had three proseccos but to be like to be in a room of people who who get it <laughs> and who support it and who that are the people that lift you up who can speak to those experiences and talk about how difficult it is and also have some hope of positivity and kind of an idea that things will be better in the future because of the work that we're doing now and because of the abuse that we're dealing with now, but also like because we want it to be better and because we believe that it should be is um, encouraging and incredible and brilliant. And thank you for talking about these things because it's hard to and it's really difficult to stick your head above the parapet and to be the one that talks about how, how difficult it can be. So thank you very much to Lizzie Doyle, to Natasha Henry and to Emma Sanders for a brilliant chat and a lovely two bottles of Prosecco. <laughs> Who knows if you could tell as they as they flowed as the show went on. Who knows? We got angrier. We got much angrier. No, thank you for listening. Um, and yeah, it, thank you to the Anfield Rap for um, giving us a voice. <laughs>